moment, one man, Franklin D. Roosevelt, offered his own expansive vision of what freedom was and what it could yet mean, and the ways subsequent generations have sanctified, critiqued, misinterpreted, and otherwise manipulated his words to suit their needs. Freedom has no universally accepted definition. Even those who praise Roosevelt's 1941 State of the Union address with his description of the four freedoms most essential to American life, the moment upon which this book both focuses and takes as a point of departure, cannot agree on the word's meaning. Freedom is nonetheless widely celebrated, even by leaders whose definitions not only contradict, but also spur direct conflict. Simultaneously appealing and malleable, its invocation offers politicians of all stripes a powerful tool for advancing their own agendas, their credibility oftentimes enhanced by hearkening back to this famous moment, and to this one man's particularly influential definition of what freedom could mean to his nation and the world at that moment and for the future. Franklin Roosevelt might well be thrilled or offended by the way his Four Freedoms address has been manipulated by later generations of politicians, but he surely would have understood. He was a famously flexible politician, and it was, at heart, a political speech designed to rally popular support at a moment of crisis. The world was at war, Roosevelt told the Congress in January 1941, but the country's ocean moats no longer offered the same degree of protection as in the past. At no previous time, he said, has American security been as seriously threatened from without as it is today. In an age of aircraft and global trade, the country's only real protection from war's devastating reach thus lay in enhancing the country's defenses while simultaneously aiding those already fighting for the cause of democracy overseas. To remain at peace, the president argued, Americans needed to prepare to fight. Not everyone agreed, perceiving little danger from distant conflicts. Little danger, that is, unless Roosevelt intervened, whether foolishly or out of some more sinister design. The destiny of this country does not call for our involvement in European wars, the famed aviator Charles Lindbergh had only recently intoned. Wildly popular more than a decade after piloting the first solo flight across the Atlantic, Lindbergh became controversial for his praise of the efficiency of German and Italian fascism. His resume, nonetheless, lent particular gravitas to his pronouncements on air power and geography. One need only glance at a map to see where our true frontiers lie, he said. What more could we ask than the Atlantic Ocean on the east and the Pacific on the west? Congress was divided as well. Roosevelt's latest proposals were not only strategically unwise, but also a danger to American democracy itself, Ohio Senator Robert Taft railed, providing unconstitutional power to carry on a kind of undeclared war all over the world. Tyranny, to their minds, could not be far behind. These were not isolated views, but rather along with Roosevelt's offered the basic parameters of what has subsequently been termed the Great Debate over whether, how much, and to what end the United States should engage the warring world in the last years of the 1930s and the beginning of the 1940s. They were thus passionate debates, with millions of lives hanging in the balance. Historians have dealt with the policy issues, the noted historian Arthur Schlesinger recalled by the end of his career, but justice has not been done to the searing personal impact of those angry days. 
In his view, the bitter argument over America's course during this era offered the most savage political debate in his lifetime. Outdistancing for its heat and vitriol subsequent bitter national debates over communism, McCarthyism, and even the Vietnam War. Given that American involvement in World War II utterly transformed both the nation and its global position, centralizing the role of the federal government in citizens' lives while solidifying the United States as the epicenter of global affairs as never before, one might well argue that this was the most consequential public debate of the entire American century. Roosevelt thought Americans should be doing more to help defeat the fascist threat. He hoped, above all else, that January day to persuade a deeply divided Congress to support his proposals for greater military preparedness and aid to the nations aligned against Nazi Germany and its allies, in large part by appealing less to the legislators listening in person than to the millions of citizens well beyond.